Audio Bistro, a podcast about work, happiness, and anything that stands in the way. In each episode, our guests will be sharing their career stories, learnings, tips, and much more. Inspiration guaranteed. Welcome to another episode of Intro Audio Bistro. I'm Reza and I'm thrilled to pick the brain of yet another amazing guest on this podcast. Today, sitting in front of me is Saf Nazir, founder of Helpful Peeps. Helpful Peeps, for those of you who don't know, is a social network that was founded in Bristol to connect people who need help with those who can help completely free of charge. So today, Saf is going to tell us about how he took the leap and left a very successful career himself to start his own tech company. Now, I'm going to stop there and let Saf tell us the rest of the story himself. Hey, so how's it going? Welcome to the show. Cheers, Reza. Thanks for having me. Really good. Pleasure, pleasure. Great to have you here. Right, so let's get down to it. Um, first of all, tell me a little bit more about your own career path. Uh, where it all started, tell me about uh, a little bit about your education as well, um, just as much as you want. Go sure, a bit of, bit of background. So I was born in Sri Lanka um, and I turned up in the UK about 14 years ago. So I came over for uni. Uh, did a degree in economics and marketing uh, at UWE, uh, stayed on, did a master's in international management, um, and then uh, started working straight after, basically. And I, I ended up having a, a seven-year career in sales. Um, it was, I never expected it to last that long when I started. It was just, you know, it was just something to do. But then um, as kind of time went on, uh, turned out I was quite good at it. Um, and obviously there were lots of, um, what at the time was very exciting opportunities. So opportunities for, for international travel, um, opportunities to make good money, um, sort of six figure plus money. Wow. Um, so yeah, I ended up staying and I really, really did enjoy it. And, uh, at least for the first five years, um, and I was the envy of all my friends and I managed to tick off a lot of things on my bucket list. Um, thanks to that job. Right, right. Uh, but towards the end of it, um, there was kind of a sense of, you know, I felt like I'd achieved most of what I could achieve. Um, you know, I wasn't learning an awful lot anymore. So I'd already gone through that phase of kind of me learning the ropes and me teaching people the ropes. I ran multiple teams and then kind of it came full circle and there wasn't, you know, there wasn't that much left to do. Uh, I also recognized that I could very easily stay in that job for the next 10 years easily because I was getting so comfortable. I felt very secure. Um, but I just have this kind of niggling feeling that if I did stay for 10 years, old Saf would be very, very disappointed. I would, re- I would regret it. I almost certainly knew that. Right, right. Um, you can see the kind of the future. Yeah, I knew I'd regret not taking chances or yeah. trying new things or, um, you know, or, or just kind of doing what we all generally tend to do, which is sacrificing time for money. Um, and like I said, it was it was good at the beginning, it was rewarding, but then it got to a point where it was like, you know, um, towards the end it was like no amount of money is, is worth is worth this sort of thing. Like you want to you wanna pursue your own, own passions and you want to try things, take risks. Um, and so it took me a good kind of year and a half, two years to... To plan my exit and to... Exit from the corporate. Yeah, from the corporate world um, and to summon up the courage 
to to leave behind kind of the comfort and the money and things like that. So right, right. Yeah, and that, where did that take you? Where did that decision take you? So it took it took me to a place where initially I was like I didn't know what I was going to do. I just decided I was out. Like so, so I I decided I was out before I came up with any kind of contingency right, right. plan. So um, I watched a TED talk um, about four years ago, three and a half years, four years ago now. Yeah. Uh, by a guy called Stefan Sagmeister. Right. Um, and it was uh, about the power of sabbaticals. And he makes a really good case. He kind of outlines the way the world is structured, our life is structured, which is the first 25 years of our lives are centered around education of some sort. The next 40 to 45 years of our lives are centered around work of some sort. Mm-hmm. And the final 10 years of our lives, kind of the golden years, uh, is kind of the promised land of leisure and relaxation. But when you come to that point, uh, your health is failing, your friends are dead. Um, it's not what it's promised to be, right? True. So he proposes an alternative, which is to take a whole one-year sabbatical yeah. for every seven years of work. Every seven years. Yeah, so to take five of those ten years at the end uh-huh. and to drop them for every seven years of work. Divide them throughout your exactly. life. Exactly. And, and, and that really made sense to me because I didn't ever subscribe to this whole notion of working and then yeah. pension at 65. That was yeah. never part of the, the, the plan for me. So I really liked this idea. And then the more I thought about it, the more I realized that anybody, especially those that live in the UK, the US, etc., with a bit of forward thinking and planning, most people can pull this off. Yeah. It's not as hard as you think. And then it's about, okay, what do you do for that year, right? Do you mm-hmm. just chill out or do you, do you make the most of it? So I made that decision about three and a half, four years ago that I was going to do this sabbatical. Um, I told my mom and she was like, well, you haven't worked for seven years yet. So I'm like, I know, but, but it's in the pipeline. And that was, uh, so that, that's kind of four years into your career, right? Uh, that years. was three, three and a half years. Three and a half years. Midway, I'd Midway. already kind of, uh, kind of, I hadn't committed, but I'd kind of mentally yeah. started preparing. So kind of start, you start thinking about it like halfway Absol- through. Yeah. Absolutely. And then, um, you know, a few months, a few, you know, a year later, whatever I met, yeah. uh, the four hour work week, yeah. which kind of. <laughs> fueled it more. Sure. I've always been in travel. So it was kind of like, you know, I was working really hard, really long hours, lots of stress, uh, prioritizing work above all else. Um, and this was kind of like my promise to myself. Yeah. Right? Just keep going. You know, se- once you hit that seven years, mm-hmm. you'll get your sabbatical. And, and the whole point of the sabbatical was just to chill out and have fun and you like, you know, do things that I enjoyed. Yeah. Um, and literally it was seven years when I quit my job. So it all wow. kind of came together. So I, I left saying that, you know, I'm leaving because I've done the seven years now and I will take a year out to go traveling if, if I can't come up with, you know, a, a better plan. Um, so yeah, so I, I decided I was leaving in around February last year. Um, and then in July the 4th, I had it in my notice. And um, yeah, so it was put almost seven years on, on, on the nose. Right, and what are you up to now? So, I mean, obviously you're not chilling out. No. And, like, <laughs> I've, been, I've been quite, like, closely, like, sort of working with you in the same building. Yeah. Um, and I know it's, it's not the case, so tell us more about your current project at the moment. Yeah, so so it was, the, the, the backup plan was the travel for a year, uh-huh. um, and I'd saved up for that, so that was exciting. Uh, but, uh, so I left in July. Uh, in the lead up to that, actually, um, I started thinking about projects, um, just really into startups, um, always wanted to start my own thing. Uh, but you know, for this one year sabbatical period, 
Um, I'd given myself just one uh, rule to abide by, and the rule was uh, whatever project that I work on, um, money won't play a factor in it. Right. Because prior to that, I had an economics degree. You know, I, I was always, always exposed to money. <laughs> opportunity, opportunity cost. Yeah. You know, I, I was very calculated in all my decision making, um, and money played a big role. Mm-hmm. Um, again, sales career, money played a role, right? But but for this one year, because it was my sabbatical time, um, and I'd saved up and planned for it, I was like, okay, I'm just going to do things that excite me. I'm going to do things that are meaningful or important. Um, I even considered interning for uh, like an awesome company. Um, an NGO so, or um, just a normal... No, like if I could intern for like an Elon Musk company, okay. <laughs> right? uh, somewhere that I could really learn or, you know... Um, I was willing to move. I, I thought of a lot of things, and, and one of the possible options was to start my own project. Start your own company. Um, and to start my own project, again, it wasn't. It, it could for that one year. It couldn't be financially motivated. So yeah. I came up with a bunch of ideas, uh, and suddenly, because I, I was leaving my job, you know, my, my headspace had like you know, for the first time in my life, I was creative. Um, I didn't have that kind of. Um, I was coming from like a place where I, I was just just dreaming and, you know, like, um, um, thinking of, of big ideas. Yeah. And, and I've always been, you know, really into like self-development and, you know, following, you know, motivational entrepreneurs and so on and so forth. Elon Musk being like my, my idol of all time. So it was like, you know, his, um, you know, the way he started his businesses when he was at uni, he started thinking, what can I do to affect humanity? Right. Most of us at uni weren't, you know, at the very best, we were thinking about ourselves and our career. But he was thinking, okay, what, what are the industries that I can work in to, to affect change in humanity? So I started thinking along the lines of, okay, I'm, I can't, you know, I can't do all that. But what are the areas in society mm-hmm. that I see challenges in? Uh, and it was things like the fact that we were disconnected, yeah. you know, even though we had all this technology. It was the fact that, you know, money was, uh, we, we had overvalued money and our relationship with money was becoming un- unhealthy. Mm-hmm. So there were certain things that I noticed for myself, and I was like, okay, it'll be cool if I could do something in this space. Um, and, and all of those things combined and kind of Helpful Peeps was born. Helpful Peeps. Yeah. So at the beginning, it was called Barter. It wasn't called Helpful Peeps. Barter? Yeah, Barter. So people could swap things. Uh, and, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it was all about sharing our time and energy oh, with each other. I didn't know that. Um, we called it the people's economy. Uh-huh. Um, and I pitched Simon uh, over Skype. Uh, say I've got this idea, barter, and he was like, "Yeah, I'll Simon, your co-founder." Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, um, and he was like, "Yeah, I'll, I'll leave my job to to do this with you." So oh, that's, wow. how, that's how it all started, and then barter kind of evolved over time into helpful peeps, partly because we couldn't get the domain barter.com. So I identified. The, so, so somebody owns owns the domain. They're squatting on it. Have been for the last ten years. Mm-hmm. I I found the owner of the domain and I reached out to them and said, "Hey." where we, 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 we're doing this new social experiment. Uh, we'd love to barter for your domain. I thought it would be a great founder story. Um, and they weren't having any of it. So they no. said no, which forced us to come up with a different brand Definitely. name, uh, but also to, to reevaluate why we wanted to call it barter. Um, and it was actually a real blessing in disguise. Absolutely, because yeah. as we thought about it, we realized that we didn't really want to barter. We want to... We wanted, our thing to be more progressive and that's how we came up with the karma economy and then it was all based on paying it forward which is a lot more 
uh, meaningful than bartering. Ethical as well. Yeah, and more progressive generally in, in, yeah. in our way of thinking. Um, and yeah, just from that, we, we stumbled upon, you know, helpful peeps. It just does what it says on the tin. Tell us a little bit more about, obviously it does what, itself, uh, what it says on the tin, um, but tell us a little bit more about the platform itself and the technology side and what, what does it exactly do for the people who haven't heard about it before? Sure. So, so Helpful Peeps is a new social network, if you like, uh, where we're connecting people who want help with those who can help for free. So you would sign in with Facebook or email um, and you can post for help with literally anything as long as it's legal. Um, and then the community would can publicly comment or they can message you privately. They can click to offer you help. Uh, and each time you help someone, you earn karma, mm-hmm. which is your reputational equity. Currency. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of your reputation, uh-huh. your equity on the network. You, you can't trade karma at the moment and you may never be able to. So that's why we, we don't want to say currency. Right, right. Uh, but it's like your reputation score, your equity on the network, uh-huh. your social capital. Um, and you also receive a testimonial from the person you've helped um, as a way of them saying thank you. Uh, and, and your karma score and your testimonials live on your profile. Mm-hmm. So when someone goes to your profile, they get a snapshot of you. We don't care what your job is, how many friends you've got, uh, you know, what your bank balance is, but we care how active you've been on the network, which is demonstrated by the karma score and all of the, the testimonials from the people you've helped out along the way. That's very interesting. It's like I've heard about a lot of networks that sort of do the same thing, mm-hmm. but they always uh, there's always a monetary incentive mm-hmm. in there for if you want to give 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 up your time for doing something for someone else, uh, you're gonna be rewarded with mm-hmm. money, which is uh, sort of what you des- decide to do. Helpful peeps, it's like doing completely opposite thing. Yeah, doing it for karma. So it's really interesting. Um, leaving a sales job to start helpful peeps is completely different. Um, I'm really interested to know. So you talked about you were always thinking about you always think about startups, doing your own company, uh, starting your own company. Um, so really, when was the what was a turning point in sort of halfway through your sales career? Um, when was it really that you decided like thinking about starting a company? Mm. When was that turning point for you? Were you always were you from an entrepreneur family? You were surrounded by entrepreneurs, or when was that? Yeah, my dad's an entrepreneur, uh, but he's a jeweler, so it's a completely different kind of. Startup, startup yeah, yeah. Um, and his entrepreneurial journey was more out of need than want, right? He was from a super poor family in Sri Lanka, and he's kind of he's got his own success story, and he's now in Tokyo. Wow! Um, but that never interested me. So I had the opportunity to join the family business. Uh-huh. Didn't interest me in the slightest. Right, right. Um, but from a startup perspective, I've always been into um, sort of. Th- the Silicon Valley scene, I've always been into, I follow, you know, even if you just look at the people that I follow on LinkedIn and Twitter and stuff, like Gary Vaynerchuk, Kevin Rose, Tim Ferriss, um, Travis Kalanick, you know, um, so I've always been into that. Um, I think that there was one small turning point, which was in February of last year, uh-huh. I was in Barcelona for Mobile World Congress. So that was an event that I attended um, the year before as well. So in my sales job, I had a lot of clients most of my clients were tech, but I had a lot of clients in the mobile slash telco space. So we're constantly exposed to this sort of area. And- Absolutely. A lot of it was kind of like B2B stuff, so uh-huh. less exciting than consumer internet. But, yeah. but um, I used to attend Mobile Congress, and, and in, in February, I was kind of getting more and more fed up with, with my job, and I was kind of like starting to leave anyway, mentally. Uh, and I was there, and Mark Zuckerberg did the keynote. Uh, they just bought WhatsApp, so Jan from WhatsApp did a keynote as well. Right, right. Uh, and kind of in that 
kind of melting pot of, you know, activity and inspiration. Um, I was there, but I was, uh, you know, I was booked in like 12 meetings a day. Uh, I was trying to meet with, you know, marketing VPs um, to close deals that I'd set up, um, right? And I kind of felt like I wa- I'm on the wrong side of the fence. I want to be on the, you know, there were all these like people making real change. And I yeah. felt like I was, yeah. you know, what I did fundamentally in, in the grand scheme of things didn't really matter. Yes, it mattered because it would allow, it would bring revenue for the company that I work for. I would earn commission, you know. Yeah, there were, in a very small way, there was some meaning, but I, I didn't feel like... You were making a direct sort of contribution. Yeah, to, to anything. To anything. Uh, whereas, you know, watching WhatsApp and Facebook and these other guys, like they were, you know, as she said, some, they were changing the world. And um, it was a really inspiring place. Um, and so the, the, at that point, I kind of made the call mentally that whatever happens, I'm leaving. Um, and I even considered like working for one of these awesome mm-hmm. companies. But what I realized is they're all so big now that I would probably be like working in their ad platform department, doing biz dev or sales or marketing or whatever, which... But I've taken you to the same place that you kind of were. Which yeah, you're, you're... just with a slightly different company in a different space. Yeah, yeah. Um, right. So yeah, that was definitely a, a turning point. Interesting, interesting. Um, one of the things you mentioned was sacrificing time for money during your career as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you felt like you were just maybe getting promoted in your mm-hmm. like job at the time, mm-hmm. uh, getting paid for it, but it was it wasn't it wasn't just enough. I, f- I find that quite interesting as well. Uh, that you point on. I, so, I think it's what most most people end up doing. I yeah. think at the at the beginning, there was more to it because I was learning a lot. I was learning skills. I was, I felt like um, I was getting real value over and above. Like he's just allowed to add Yeah, but after after a while, you get jaded. You're doing the same thing yes. for seven years. It's a long time to be doing anything. Sure, yeah. Um, and, and towards the end, definitely, I felt like literally I was clocking in and clocking out for the paycheck because whatever alternative that I did wouldn't pay as well. So that was kind of my my justification to myself was that, look, it's easy, just just keep just keep going, right? Really inspiring story. <laughs> I really like that story. A lot of it I didn't know, although like, we've talked before and stuff, so I really enjoyed listening to that. Um, for someone, um, our listeners, mainly people sort of our age, like between 18 to 30 years mm-hmm. old, I would say, um, someone's deciding to start a career right now, like leaving university education or someone who's thinking of a career change, mm-hmm. what's the one piece of advice you're going to give to them? Uh, I think all you've said so far is all of it is full of tips and yeah. useful, useful stuff. Um, but what's that, that one piece? It, it, that, that advice is, is um, it, it's easy to give advice looking back, mm-hmm. but um, it, it's the same advice that everyone's given. So, uh, I'm just kind of um, repeating what people like Gary Vaynerchuk or um, is it Jack Ma, the founder of Alibaba? Jack he Ma, says the yeah. same thing as well. So basically, when you leave uni, it's the time in your life when you have the lowest amount of responsibilities, which means it's the time where you can take the biggest amount of risks. Um, and looking back, my circumstances were slightly different. Um, and, and even if they weren't, I don't know if I would have had the courage to pursue it. But kind of the tip that I can give uh, to my younger self or to everybody else is... When you're at your youngest, don't chase money because even if you're going to a job that pays 25, 30% less, if it gives you career progression or more importantly, if it allows you to do the things that you enjoy or to really learn, upskill, 
uh, you've got a good manager. All of those things are so much more important than what you take home because you've got such, you know, you can manage your life such that you have much lower out- outgoings, right? So it just depends what you want. If you really want stuff, then you have to you have to sacrifice everything and get the better paid job so that you can sustain the lifestyle that you you're expect that you're used to, right? Right, right. But if you're willing to give up on stuff and live frugally to do things that you enjoy and really play like the long game, uh-huh. then I think that's the, those are the people that are going to win by and large. Um, and yeah, my my situation was a little bit different. Yeah, because I uh, I needed to earn X amount to hit my um, my point system on my tier one UK visa. So there right. were things that complicated it, it a little bit. And even if it didn't, I still don't know if I would have taken my advice. Because Yeah, because it takes time for you to figure it for out. For you to figure it out. You have to experiment and find out what's right for you. I mean, yeah. There's that. You can't really follow people's advice. You exactly. have to figure it out for yourself. Well, like, well, you can follow people's advice if it's people like Jack Ma and Gary V. And if they're telling you this... You can kind of go, right, okay, these guys know what they're saying. Sure, sure. Um, but even then, it's very, very There hard. is no one-size-fits-all. Yeah, you uh, need to figure it out yourself. Sports. Yeah, that's, that's, that's... And it's one of the points you mentioned is about starting early. Um, I think it applies to you as well. I mean, seven years, like, straight out of university. It's not, it's not even that late. Mm-hmm. Uh, starting early and kind of figuring out as early as you can. Like People like Richard Branson, mm-hmm. they, they start, he started his first business while he was at school. Um, so I think that that is the one thing that, personally drives me forward mm-hmm. every day like thinking about the fact that okay it might have been a risky like mm-hmm. situation or risky decision to decide to start your own company at this age mm-hmm. uh, but it's just been a constant learning experience and mm-hmm. looking back at it you probably realize you've learned so much yeah but you tell me like how has the past sort of year or so been for you um, in terms of the learning experience compared to that your like corporate desk job I yeah. mean, it wasn't desk for you it was a lot of travel yeah but but I think it's the same so, so my first year at my sales job I learned a ridiculous amount of the learning just, curve is quite steep yeah it? it's super steep within the first six months and, and the fact that I just finished my masters and my first year there the way I looked at it because I was learning a lot the way I looked at it was this was better this was more valuable for me than my masters because sales is everything right um, and I was, it's more valuable than my masters plus they're paying me. So it was like a win-win. That's how pumped I was in the first year. Uh, but obviously year six, year seven, suddenly you've plateaued, you've learned everything there is to learn. You've shared that knowledge with your team, etc. And, uh, and there's nothing left, right? Whereas the startup journey, yeah, it's been looking back just in that one year, the amount of different hats you wear. And the amount of different things that you, you kind of learn on job, yeah. And and often you know um, you wing it because because that's you know you, you try to learn from books Save and people. Until you make it. Yeah, it's, it's sometimes. It's, yeah, it's kind of like um, you just got to figure it out every day. And, mm-hmm. and if you don't figure it out, no one else is going to figure it out for and you. No two days are the same. Do you yeah, really? exactly. Yeah. So it's been amazing, and I think you know um, in real terms, there's no loss. Because even if you if your startup fails um, and if you go back into the corporate world or if you start another startup or whatever, I think the learnings that you take from it is worth it. Depends how you measure it, but sure. I think it's worth it for sure. Good to hear that from you as well. Um, do you have a mentor or have you considered having one? Uh, I, I believe in mentors. Um, we've got a couple of mentors for helpful peeps, sort of advisors. So we've got... Uh, our non-exec, Mark Panay, another gentleman, Mike Sotorakos, who helps us out. 
but I think my mentors are all online. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would say, um, you know, uh, books, the internet, you know, has opened up the world. No one's got excuses, right? We've all got, we've got access to ridiculous mentors now. Absolutely. Um, and like my, the people that, that influenced me the most online, I would say Gary Vaynerchuk. Um, I watch the Ask Gary Vee show every day. Uh, I've watched every bit of Elon Musk's, um, every interview, every article um, do with, do with him, uh, Tim Ferriss, his podcast. Um, really a lot of kind of like tech startup people. Uh, Kevin Rose, he's got Foundation, which is his uh, kind of video podcast series. Um, yeah, so, so those are my my mentors online. Because I spend a lot, uh, London Real, that's another one. So I spend a lot of time um, consuming content from people that I would view, that I would look up to or consider mentors, people who have been there and done what I would like to do. Um, and obviously, you know, having access to them through the internet is still pretty amazing. I completely agree with yeah. that. I came up in our uh, other episode with Mark Woodland as well. Mm-hmm. Tim Ferriss has come up there as well four hour work with yeah. I personally listen to his podcast as well yeah. they are super long like some of them are two hour, yeah. two hour long but, but it's, it's valuable so worth it yeah. talking about books what's the one book you would recommend our listeners you've recently read or listened to or I know it's really difficult but yeah. uh, it could be one that would help them choose their career so that's sort of a slogan we really promote right okay um, so you you're like a big example of a person who has literally chosen his career. So he got to a point after a lot of experimenting, he realized this is really not me. I want to do something different. And he just made that choice consciously. Um, so what's that? Yeah. So book? the book, I came across the book through uh, Tim Ferriss, where the book is written by a guy called Randy Commissar, mm-hmm. who's a Silicon Valley VC uh, partner at Kleiner Perkins. Um, and the book is called... The Monk and the Riddle is the book. Interesting title. Yep. Um, and there's a quote from the book, right, which is what really, w- there were two quotes that made me quit my job, like, as in, like, gave me the courage. So you, you read that before you actually leave your job? Yeah, yeah. Oh, so this, this book influenced me. Wow, so, wow okay. Um, so this one, uh, there's one quote, which is uh, from the book, Monk and the Riddle. Uh, and it goes like this. And then there is the most dangerous risk of all. The risk of spending your life not doing what you want on the bet you can buy yourself the freedom to do it later. Which is what a lot of people do. Because, you know, and, and it's kind of what I did as well. I was like, okay, I need to save up X to then be able to do Y, right? Sometimes it's unavoidable. Like, you just have to, I mean, you have to, you have to get to that point. It's like financial reasons, could be many different reasons. Yeah, but the earlier you are... The, the more likely you can do it, right? Sure. And also the, the thing is sometimes, you know, people ha- come up with this arbitrary number, which is for our work, we go, once I have a million dollars in the bank, I can do X. And then you never hit that milestone, which means, you know, or you get hit by a bus, right? Whatever the case is. Um, so it, it, it's kind of recognizing that anytime you put, put off what you actually want to do, uh, to do something else, to then allow you to do that, you're taking a risk um, and you're gambling, right? And, and the risk may not pay off. So that was one that definitely um, influenced me. Um, and the other one was from a Gary Vaynerchuk keynote. Of course. <laughs> um, oh, it was recommended by him, was it? Uh, it, was, it was something that he said in a keynote, which is, uh, look yourself in the mirror and ask yourself, what do I want to do for the rest of my life? 
do that. And he was like, there's no excuse in this world with the internet where you have YouTube millionaires and bloggers with million plus audiences. You know, you can make, you can figure out a way to monetize the thing that you're really passionate about. And that's the thing, like, we all watch this, we all get inspired by it. But then to go from that to then act on it is there's a big, big step. Uh, because everybody will look at it and admire the speaker and be like, wow, so that person is so courageous. Wow, I'm inspired by that person. But they don't feel that they have it in them to be able to do that as well, right? So that's the challenge. So do you use any sort of productivity tools on a daily basis that help you become more productive? Um, yeah, I, I don't. I, I use things like, within the team, we use things like Slack and mm-hmm. stuff like that. But in terms of... Um, personal use. Personal productivity, no, not really. It's just, um, you know, I, I don't think I'm optimized. I think I can be more productive. Mm-hmm. So I'd actually be keen to keep an eye out for productivity hacks and yeah. tools and stuff. Um, but generally, I just think it's like, you know, if you can make time for... It's about making time, right? So, like, I don't watch TV. Um, there are certain things that help massively. Definitely. So, compared to before and now, when I compare. Yeah. Um, so, it's just, yeah, it's, if you, you can make enough time in the day. And, again, it's one of those things. It's like, you know, sleep an hour less. Yeah. You know, skip some, it's like, how, how badly do you want it? What, what's important? How much are you going to prioritize it? Of course. Um, and, yeah, I think definitely, you know, having tools to make you more productive will help. But I think it's marginal, like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 10% this way or that maybe. I don't know. Uh, but I haven't got any. I, let me know if, there are, if there's any <laughs> that, I can, that I can use and I'll try it out. Yeah. Um, not watching TV was an, was an interesting one. Mm. Uh, so you, you weren't always like, I like watching TV. Oh, no, no. It I was like, again, a turning point for that as Yeah. Well. Last year I quit a lot of things. Nice. Um, TV, news um, was one of them. News is um, a good one. Yeah. I'm with you on that. Yeah. Prior to that, I used to watch a lot of TV. I used, like, you know, I used to watch you know, five, six hours of TV a day because when I came home from work, I was like, I was stressed, I was tired, I f- felt I needed to switch off. switch off and it took me four hours of TV watching t- to get to a point where I was what? like, right, I can go to sleep now. Uh, but weirdly, um, you know, I left July the 4th, um, July, August, I just, you know, didn't, uh, I didn't feel the need to need to switch off because now I was, I was suddenly unemployed and I had all this free time and I was just reading a lot and I was meditating. I was sitting in the park and I was like, there's not like, there's everything's rubbish. Like there's nothing to watch. And but yeah, I just kind of realized, okay, there are better ways to, to spend my time. So definitely the news is a good one. Like, yeah. I'm with you on that. It just, it, any, every time I'm on a news website or anything like that, it makes me more nervous than I was before. Mm. And I just feel like if there is something that, everyone needs to know about the war is coming to an end or something, I'll probably find You'll out. You'll find out through Facebook or Twitter or exactly. somebody will tell you. So I don't really need to go on the news website yeah. or tune in. Like, yeah. there, was a, there was a quote on the news which was really, really resonated, which was like, um, you get fed the highlight reel of all that's bad in the world every thir- once a day for 30 minutes a day. So your view of the world is completely skewed. Absolutely. Um, and that's what causes all of this fear and anxiety in society because there's... there's so much good stuff happening that we don't find out about the news because people won't buy that exactly it's not a newspaper it's just exactly it's it's their focus on sensationalism so yeah they all they kind of went at the same time so i stopped watching tv i, I stopped 
watching news as well. And so. start reading books instead. Great stuff. <laughs> <laughs> um, so tell us, coming to an end, um, tell us more about Helpful Pips future plans, plans for yourself as well. I mean, are you thinking of any other projects on the side? Um, what, what's what's for, uh, what are you going to plan for Helpful Peeps? Yeah, I, it's really, starting Helpful Peeps has really given me kind of the the buzz to the, the excitement of starting a project. So part of me, uh, me and Simon, constantly, we, we come up with like five different startup ideas a day. Every day. Um, and we love it and maybe, you know, way down the future, uh, we love the idea of starting up like, a, almost like a, like an like an incubator of sorts where we can, you know, enable other founders to bring the ideas to life, sort of thing. Um, but what I've also recognised is, you know, the the goals for helpful peeps. Um, I need to be laser focused. I kind of feel that I can't take on anything else. So f- for the foreseeable future, uh, even though I really have this buzz now and I, I, I love the idea of it um, I, I, I think I'm just going to focus 100% on helpful peeps um, and we're currently looking uh, to raise funding so that's that's something that we're, we're hoping to close off in, in, in the coming weeks uh, and then it's all about growth we want to hit 100,000 users which is our target by the end of next year uh, and then a million users by the end of 2017 Wow. Uh, then we, we want to go to the US which we see as a major market for us this stuff so with all of that in mind, I think it's kind of being self-aware and recognizing, yeah, I want to do a lot of stuff, yeah. but something's got to give, right? And I'm, I, and I, I'm kind of realizing that, okay, in order to execute these ridiculous goals that we've set ourselves for Helpful Peeps, uh, it's going to require every ounce of energy and attention and focus. So you talk about a lot of people. I'll, mm-hmm. I'll ask you that question later. Uh, it's a lot of really influential people. Um, if you were to interview one person in this podcast, and you could, you could choose one person, they would come here. So who would that person? That's super easy. Uh, Elon Musk. Elon Musk. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, I think that, I knew that, the answer to that. That's super easy. Um, yeah. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> I don't. I don't ask you why because yeah. we're going to be in another episode. <laughs> right. How how can our listeners find you online? Um, um, website, Twitter. Yeah. So so website is helpfulpeeps.com. So I hope uh, the listeners would would join us and get involved in in the karma economy. Become helpful. Um, yeah. Be helpful. Uh, earn karma. Um, personally, I would say Twitter. So saf underscore naz at Saf underscore Naz or at Helpful Peeps because <laughs> I'm both. Um, um, yeah, that would be the best way to, to get in touch. Um, and yeah, um, hope, hope people will join us. Thank you so much. Well, this has been um, great stuff. We'll make sure we include uh, those contact details in the show notes as well cool. so you can just find them in a click of a button. Um, it's been really great. Um, awesome. We've had conversations here and there, uh, finding out more about each other, but this one has been really good uh, to find out more about what you're doing, what your future plans are. Um, yeah, thank you so much. Anything else you want to talk about? No, man. That's it. Thanks for having me. It was cool. Thanks a lot. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.